The Start On Demand. On demand. Concerns over pictures posted by Travel Manitoba of people in the water without wearing life jackets. We'll speak to a couple of guys who have traveled all over Manitoba exploring some of its most spectacular waterways. And they say the message Travel Manitoba may be sending as it markets our province is unsafe. We've got a Winnipeg success story and it comes from a CJOB listener. We interviewed him three years ago and he says because of that one interview, because of you, our CJOB family, he now has to expand his business to meet the growing demand. And as we continue to try to find stuff to watch on TV, which movie could you watch over and over and over again? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, thank God it's Friday, June 26th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Jeff Fortier is here. Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, and we are talking about the movie that we could watch over and over again. Dre- uh, Greg, how many times did Drex say he watched 16 Candles? Three zero, 30 times. Wow. Impressive. And that was an at least qualifier attached to that. But uh, yeah, and, and Loren uh, was sug- trying to ask you if there's a movie you've watched 30 times. You can't think of one, but Loren says she's watched a bunch of movies probably more than 30 times. So Loren, why don't we start with you? Do you want, yeah. me, do you want me to just play it or do you want to intro this? Well, I was going to say, I actually had a hard time deciding which one I was going to play for you guys because there's so many movies, especially when they pop up on TV. It's not just about ordering them on Netflix or on demand or what have you. It's If they're on TV, I'll watch them with the commercial to the point where sometimes my husband comes home and he goes, oh, no, is this on right now? Because he doesn't want to watch some of them anymore. So I, I was toiling between Anchorman and Crazy Stupid Love. I love that movie with Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. But this next clip. I, I love everything about it. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Oh, that's terrific. Uh, Has to be one of the most quotable movies there has uh, ever been made. Oh, absolutely. Office Space. <laughs> I laugh every single time. You always find something new about it. You don't need to watch the whole thing. It's kind of one. It's like a filler movie. So if it's on and you're just, say, waiting for someone to come over or or waiting to go out or what have you, and you want to just watch 15 minutes, you don't feel like you're missing out if you don't watch it to the end. So I, I love Office Space. Oh, that's a great choice. I haven't watched that movie in years. I need to remedy that situation. Why don't we turn next to the co-host of The Couch Potatoes, Jeff Braun. What's your selection, sir? I uh, like Loren. I had a devil of a time trying to pick one because I oh, that was not me. Dozens that I <laughs> that was What was that? That wasn't me. Well, where did it come from, Kelly? Uh, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is Friday or what? <laughs> okay, sorry, Jeff. Uh, Braun continues. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember what I was saying. I, I ended up picking Back to the Future. Only because I happened to watch it this week, just because it got stuck in my head, and I thought, oh, I haven't seen it in a few months, time to watch it again. And it's always just a great joyride from beginning to end, and especially at the end, the, the business, when, when the lightning's about to hit and Doc Brown is stuck up on the clock trying to reattach those wires, gives me 
just great anxiety every single time still. I know it's going to work out, but it just seems so impossible in the moment that I, I almost can't stand it. And it's, every time I watch it, it still happens to me. And I must have seen that movie 50 times. By well, now. let's play this. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. <laughs> it's a great point, though, Braun. That, that scene... I've seen it probably 50 times. I know exactly how it's going to end, but every time I watch it, I think, is this the, the time where it's not going to work? Yeah. It's like, how is he supposed to get down there in time? Are you going to slide down on that cable? It just, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work, but it does. All right, Kelly Moore, what was that you were about to fire off for us? Well, just before I do that, uh, just saw Air Force One again last weekend, probably for about the 30th time, and get off my plane never gets old. Uh, Dumb <laughs> and choice. Dumber is another one that we uh, uh, yes. tend to watch quite a bit. But in, in honor of Jeff Braun's tweet yesterday that it's only six months till Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> I knew it. I could watch this movie over and over and over again. Love Actually. I think you guys probably all knew that was coming. Christmas is all around me. But I'm a ball humbug kind of guy too, Brett. I, you know what? I didn't know that was coming. and We actually did get, I got an email at brett at cjob.com from uh, uh, Ian who says, hey, don't forget Christmas movies. How about It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, Christmas movies probably more than any other film are the movies that I have seen the most, but uh, that's that'll be the last we talk of Christmas movies in this particular segment. Jeff Fortune, <laughs> what about you? I had to pick... They send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. I believe in two things. Discipline. Help me, Jeff! the Bible. Here you'll receive both. And it came to Shawshank Prison in 19... Shawshank Redemption. Every time it's on TV, I end up just putting it on and like I actually pay attention. I watch the whole thing. Um, it's just, it's so good. Excellent I, film. Yeah, I have the Blu-ray, so... Yeah, I could watch that over and over and over again. That's a great choice, Forte. And actually, that kind of segues nicely into my choice. I went with a really, really happy movie, you know, an inspirational what? film to send you into the weekend. Here's my clip. Put the gun yeah, down. I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Because I envy your normal life. <laughs> no. Put the gun down, David. It seems that envy is my sin. Oh, what's in the box? Not you give me the what's gun. in the box? Give me the gun. Ah, we all know it was in the box seven. So, because Forty had him working Christmas for presents, is that what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Jack in the Box. Yeah, seven, uh, another Morgan Freeman film. So that I, I know it's a dark movie, but uh, for some reason at the end there's that nice little kind of optimistic touch just right at the end. I think um, that I don't know. I, I, I just I like it. I like Seven. It's one of my favorite films. Greg Mackling, how about you? Well, one of our listeners saying that evolution of uh, their uh, movie dumb, their th this movie buff, Star Wars in the early '80s, Dazed and Confused, and The Hangover as a kid, a teenager, and an adult, and th those are really good picks. But my movie features get this: Billy Bob Thornton, Dana Delaney, Thomas Hayden Church, Jason Priestley, Bill Paxton, Sam Elliott, Kurt Russell, and Val Kilmer. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. That's Michael Bain and 
as Johnny Ringo, and of course Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Could watch that movie over and over again, and I have. Excellent choice. But I don't think I'm at 30. Excellent choice. I think Charles Adler loves that movie as well. So you can keep texting us at 204-780-6868, the movie that you can watch over and over again, or you can email brett at cjob.com, mcnab at cjob.com, or mackling at cjob.com. As we head into our second weekend of the summer and the forecast calling for hot weather, finding a way to cool off will be a top priority for many of us. Sometime in or on the water may fill that prescription for many. Yeah, and actually, as we speak, I was just looking to see uh, where I could head out with the kids this weekend with all this warm weather, what lake we might go to, places we could explore, because I don't think we need to tell you, our listeners, that Manitoba has some amazing recreational opportunities with water. As the star of the show, there are, of course, I think thousands, tens of thousands, 100,000 lakes, perhaps, in Manitoba, rivers and streams. And whether it's swimming or canoeing, kayaking, boating, fishing, water skiing, wakeboarding, or sometimes just sitting at the end of the dock and staring out on the water, I think we can all agree most of us love to be on it or near it. But as a result, water safety, Greg, has to be front of mind for all activities. And that fact was punctuated about two weekends ago when two Manitoba men lost their lives on Lake Winnipeg. Yeah, as much as we love the water, it can be a dangerous place. And our next guests have traveled all over our beautiful province, exploring some of its most spectacular waterways. They're also concerned about the message Travel Manitoba may be sending as it markets our province. We say good morning to Neil Fitzpatrick. Good morning, Neil. Actually, Jeff Forte is just getting Neil on the line, but we do have our second guest, Greg. Okay, and we'll say good morning to Kyle Kushner. Good morning, Kyle. Hey, good morning, Greg. Good to talk to you, man. Hey, yeah, let's start with you. Give us an idea how much time you spend on the water in Manitoba and just give us a, a broad highlight of your overall experiences. It's uh, funny that you say that because I was just thinking, uh, knowing I was coming online, I was thinking, how many hours have I spent in the water? And I think I'm upwards of over 100 hours already so far uh, with my, uh, my paddle in the water. I've been uh, the Black River uh, trip this morning and then uh, so this earlier this year and i have uh, spent quite a bit of time on the white Mouth river i'm going to head out there again uh, this weekend since the uh, waterfalls are quite high with the recent rain we've had both of you uh both our guests this morning are avid uh paddlers is that the right word kyle is that what i would call it or just water enthusiasts sure. okay. good, yeah. anything with a paddle is good for me i'm not much of a kayak <laughs> i haven't done much of that but uh, i love to commute Okay, perfect. So Neil is joining us now, uh, Neil Fitzpatrick. And Neil, we want to get to sort of the crux of the matter here. It was in March of 2018, you sent an email to Travel Manitoba highlighting a concern you had about images on both its website and social media feeds. Neil, can you tell us what the concern was? Yeah, well, I, I noticed uh, a lot of images on uh, social media of people without uh, life jackets. And uh, Travel Manitoba started reposting these. Now, in 2017 or 2018, uh, we had a presentation from Paddle Canada about their Paddle Smart program here in Manitoba. So I spoke with them about this, and they um, asked us to start challenging organizations. So I did that. I sent an email in uh, spring 2018 to Travel Manitoba, and I just asked them to no longer post photos of water sports without visibly worn PFDs. What was their response? So Travel Manitoba said they were reviewing their social media policy and that they understood this was a concern for many people. 
Mm -hmm. So earlier this month, Kyle reached out to me. Kyle and I are connected, by the way, full disclosure. We, we, are, we are friends uh, amongst friends. And um, he wanted to share a story with us and his frustration because he noticed that over 24 months after Neil's inquiry to Travel Manitoba, there were still images on their website. And there continue to be images shared on social media where people are without life jackets or PFDs, which is short for personal flotation devices. So Kyle sent another email to Travel Manitoba, which got essentially the exact same response as Neil did back in 2018. I too received the same response when I approached Travel Manitoba initially. Kyle, why is this such a big deal to you? The reason that, that that ended up happening is because this was right after um, Newer and Hamza Ali had passed away, and uh, I was sickened by that whole story. And so I thought, you know what, that having Neil, knowing Neil was my friend and knowing Neil had sent that letter, I said, you know what, I wonder if anything's changed. So I was sitting up late one night, and I went to Travel Manitoba's website, and I found six photos of people kayaking, canoeing, uh, pictures of toddlers in the water by themselves with adults around and all posted by Travel Manitoba. And I thought, what the heck? You know, this, this is a, a, an arm of the government that has a responsibility to educate people. And I think in the case of uh, Noor and Hamza Ali, you know what, they weren't that experienced in boats and, and went out and just weren't educated on, on the deal. And not only is Travel Manitoba not educating people on safe water practices, they're promoting unsafe water practices. And I think a lot of people look to social media and say, hey, what should I do this weekend? And they go to Travel Manitoba and they steal these, pictures of people life jackets on and they think hey that's what we should do we should go in the water and look like these people look like they're having a great time and the consequences can be you know tragic newer of course is the name of the man who lost his life on lake winnipeg two weeks ago he and his father both lost their lives and so we can see what his personal to you both kyle and neil we did reach out uh, a few times to travel manitoba and after some back and forth and requests for an interview between both cjob and global tv we got a response i'm going to share some of it with you the response was, quote, the law in Manitoba, as you know, is that you are required to have an appropriately sized life jacket on board for each person on board. And many of the photos on our site or in our post life jackets may have been present, but unseen in the shot. That being said, Travel Manitoba is committed to promoting safe practices. And as I have said, we will be actively obtaining photos that show their use. However, in the case of photos we share on Instagram, these are not taken or purchased by Travel Manitoba. They're just shared from other Manitobans. The bottom line is that while we encourage safe practices in the future, people will make their own decisions on life jacket use, and we hope that all Manitobans make the safe and responsible choice and encourage them to do so. Neil, does that response make you feel better or, or worse when you hear it? It's, uh, that's a terrible response. Um, so the, the problem with uh, showing those images is that they may have been taken by a paddler who wore their uh, life jacket for 90% of their trip. They took it off for one photo just to look presentable on, on social media. And then Travel Manitoba reposts that picture, and then it normalizes the uh, practice of not wearing a life jacket. Now, those paddlers may be experienced, but inexperienced paddlers see those, and it, since it's been normalized, when they go out and do that activity, they do not wear life jackets. And we see this every year when we go to practice uh, our whitewater skills at Old Pinawa Dam. There is uh, groups of people who, who slide down the rapid without uh, life jackets, 
And then children and teenagers follow. They see, and even parents allow their children because they see other people do it and make it out alive. So they assume it's safe and they go down without, uh, uh, like sliding down the rapid without a life jacket and without a helmet, both of which are seen as extremely dangerous in the paddling community. Neil? Kyle, thank you for bringing this to our attention as I conveyed to Travel Manitoba. Part of what we do here at CJOB is to give those who feel as though their voices are not being heard an opportunity to amplify that voice, and you, you did it extraordinarily well this morning with us today. Thank you very much. We will keep on top of this story. Uh, we appreciate your input. Uh, have a great uh, weekend, and keep safe on the water, fellas. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much, Greg. Hey, and before I go, I'm uh, voting for uh, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. <laughs> well done, sir. Great pick. That's Kyle Kushner and Neil Fitzpatrick joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start when we first learned about those sound deterrent devices being tested under four Winnipeg bridges as a mean to deter people from gathering sounded like this. One of our big questions was, how did this happen without anyone at City Council knowing about it, Greg? Well, the head of Public Works says council approval wasn't required in part because no extra money was needed to launch the pilot project. And while he says the goal was to keep people safe, prevent fires and protect the bridges he also says he heard concerns from councillors and so as we know by now the devices have been turned off loren at least for now in part to get some answers about this we reached out to every single member of city council yesterday at reached out to every city councillor to find out what they knew and what they thought about these devices and we heard back from almost all but all of them and they Pretty much all of them said they first learned about it through social media or by seeing it this week on the news. So they just became aware of them within the last 48 hours or so. St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard says he personally heard one of the devices being used while walking over the Provence Bridge a few weeks ago. Says at that time he reached out to 311 to ask more questions. Our question, did he get the answers? And and really, why are we just hearing about this now? Councillor Matt Allard joins us by phone. Good morning, Councillor. Morning. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, as we understand it, you reached out to 311 three or four weeks ago about these high free pitch frequency bells. Presumably, you got a response. What did you do with that info then? Yeah, I did get a response. And I, I mean, I got the information like any other member of the public would have. Uh, I was cycling uh, with my daughter. Um, so this uh, the, the installation was right on the active transportation paths in St. Boniface. So um so I got the information and and then I realized what it was and, and I was disturbed by it. But, um, you know, this is um, I was disturbed because this is part of a of a larger theme and a larger problem. I mean, I think the real solution is is uh, is housing and social social services. But um, also in terms of like specific interventions, um, like this is a technology that basically um is uh, I think falls in the um, the category or is similar to hostile architecture, and that's basically um, changing the built environment to make it um, to make it less interesting for people to congregate. So I think this small smack in that category. And if you look at the interviews yesterday, um, our director was was talking about how he wants to protect the infrastructure, and one of the things he's still considering after this um, 
this news media cycle is things like putting up boulders. You know, other cities put up anti-homeless spikes. So I think I think we heard the message loud and clear from the public and from the council that we're not interested in we're not interested in pursuing this type of direction. Council Lard, you're the chair of the Public Works Committee, correct? I am, yeah. Yeah, so I'm guessing you have a little bit of a relationship with Mr. Berezowski, who was kind enough to outline why he made the decision he did. He took full responsibility for that decision. I'm just curious as to as to why it, you sound like you're upset about this decision by Mr. Berezowski and that department. Why didn't you come public with that a couple of weeks ago when it started bothering you? Well, I mean, I want to qualify that. I mean, Public Works tried something. I think they didn't get it right this time. Um, I think they did uh, use their delegated authorities. And uh, any member of council can communicate with uh, with our, our heads of department. Um, the reason I didn't respond right away is that I started thinking about this, and I started thinking, well, okay, I know that they play music some places downtown to deter uh, to deter loitering. I know our bridges are already built with uh, with boulders underneath to dis- discourage people from uh, from from using uh, from using that to sleep. And you know, I know the Public Works Department has has worked with me in the past to do things like um, uh, cut the um, cut the vegetation so that there could be better sight lines so that people feel safe on on uh, the walking path. So there's a lot to this question. You know, Public Works tried one thing not the right answer i think everyone recognizes that but this is a much larger problem and one of the one of the things coming back from um the public on my social media statement is is really like well these people need housing these people need social services well we need the province and uh, other levels of government to step up on these issues and the issues aren't going away and i don't think they're getting any better like we're in the middle of a drug epidemic and um and these issues are going to continue and one of the things that that's been popping up on my uh, on my social media is perhaps we need to start talking about the idea of sanctioned camps say that again of sanctioned like sanctioned camps like places where it's it's designated where we have sanitation where people can know that they can go and be safe uh because certainly um over the last number of years i've noticed um i've noticed more and more camps um uh and and these are people and these are people who in many cases, are very vulnerable, and they, they need the supports. And I understand that the supports just simply aren't there. Um, I was having a conversation with the director of Moorbrook House. They do work in St. Boniface of the homeless. And, and the understanding I had from that conversation is the response from the province on drug treatment is just way too weak. There is nowhere near the capacity we need. And basically, you know, you have police pick people up who are intoxicated, uh, they, uh, and they, these people have nowhere to go. They don't have the detox beds that they need. So I think we're in the middle of a huge problem, uh, and government responses so far haven't worked. And when you have situations like this, our public works director is trying something. He's responding to complaints. He's responding to wanting to protect infrastructure. It's not the right answer. Well, maybe we need to talk about what the right answer is. And, and clearly the responses so far haven't worked. Was there part of you then, Councillor Allard, given the fact that, you know, you mentioned these these sanctioned camps. We don't have those at the moment. You mentioned there's bigger questions about funding for mental health and drug and addiction issues. And, and we understand that, too. We know that's a complex problem. Given what was being tried under the bridge, was there part of you a month ago, three weeks ago, that thought maybe we sh- you should let the pilot project run? Well, it's I, basically I hadn't I hadn't really formulated yet um, what what the proper answer is. Uh, you know, I, I, I noted another active music happening right now downtown there to deter uh, loitering. 
should we really like, should we, how do we look at the bigger question? How do we address this in a way that makes sense? I know we have hostile architecture in Winnipeg. We have benches that are designed in a way where people are discouraged to sleep, uh, you know, and it's subtle for the most part. And people don't necessarily notice. They might, they might think, well, I was talking to a friend yesterday. He says, I, I sat on a park bench and I realized it was really uncomfortable. I couldn't lean back. Well, there's a reason that park bench has been designed that way. It's so that people aren't getting comfortable and people aren't going to be using that bench to sleep. So, so I think this is, I think this is um, um, perhaps like it's been a flashpoint to a, a much larger issue. And no, this wasn't the right response. But I think what everyone's struggling with is what is the right response? And this isn't the direction that I'm comfortable with, with hostile architecture or these types of deterrents. I much prefer the social service intervention. But we, the city, aren't, we're not the social service provider. That's the province of Manitoba. And right now, we're totally under capacity for the problems that we have in the city. City Councilor Matt Allar joining us live on 680 CJOB. Matt, thank you very much for this, sir. Thank you. We've been asking the question at 204-780-6868. What movie could you watch over and over again? And we are just getting an avalanche of text messages. So I've grabbed three here, um, and they all have their own unique reasons as to why I have selected them. This one is for Cat in Gimli. Houston, we have a problem. Apollo 13, and Cat says, In 1970, I was a young teen in the UK watching history unfold on TV. It's more than a movie to me. It's a piece of my life. Very authentic, and the acting is superb. I recently watched that again. Uh, that movie, Greg, is uh, it's amazing. I can't agree with you more on that. Uh, the, some of the, the movies flowing in here, Brett, there's, it's so distracting. I'm trying to make a list. I think I'm like Loren this morning. Well, then let like, me get I to can... my other two movies here uh, while, you, while you select a couple to share as well. This one's for Brian, and I picked it because he's kind of after my own heart. Let me tell you why you're here. I think that's all I need to play. That was Morpheus in The Matrix, which is my favorite movie. And then this one, um, I picked it just so I had an opportunity to play this clip. Roadhouse. That's from Family Guy, but the movie selection was Roadhouse, which, <laughs> which I have not seen in years. Loren, have you ever seen Roadhouse? I actually feel I haven't. I must have. I must have what? seen it. But I, I, I didn't recognize your Matrix clip. You're like, I'll just play that. That's enough. I was like, for what? <laughs> what kind of game are we playing? I don't know what that clip is. <laughs> yeah, it could have gone on forever. Uh, 14, we, can we still go to 23 here? Oh, yeah. Okay, So, but just leave that music going. Um, yeah, Roadhouse, that was Patrick Swayze, right? I almost said oh, Patrick yes. Stewart. My goodness, the late no, Patrick Swayze. I saw Swayze. that in the theater in Kenora and was obnoxious through the entire thing. There were about 12 of us. Great movie. Okay, and have you? what other ones have you spotted here, Greg, before we get out? Oh, geez, the arrow just popped up here, filmed in Winnipeg. That was good. Uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial, cried in that one. Uh, somebody said Bob and Doug, Strange Brew. Oh, they my. watched that 30 times. Oh, my gosh. There is just a crazy amount. Dirty Dancing, Shawshank keeps coming up over and over again. Just, oh, man, just incredible. I'm laughing right now, like how you felt the need to say E.T., you know, the extraterrestrial. That's <laughs> actually the name of the movie, isn't it? No, that's the name of the know, movie, Loren. It was like you were defining it. Just in case anybody doesn't <laughs> no. know, that stands for extraterrestrial. No, that's just the name of the movie.
keep those movies coming at 204-780-6868. Which movies could you watch over and over again? DJ, for example, saying Blues Brothers, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I believe that changed way films were made. The entire James Bond series. Not all great, but always unique. Great selections, DJ. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. And after Global News at 9.30, we want to share with you a Winnipeg success story. A local business, a computer business, owned by a man who listens to 680 CJOB. He says he's moving into a bigger location, and it's all thanks to you, the CJOB family. So we'll tell his story at 9.35. We start this half hour by asking the question, what's in a name? That's the question we're asking this morning after learning yesterday, Amazon had bought the naming rights to a rink in Seattle. Yeah, but instead of using those naming rights to push Amazon, they've decided they are going to name the rink Climate Pledge Arena. And I think Loren and Krishna O'Mel agree that that is their favorite scent of pledge. Here's what CEO Jeff Bezos said. Uh, the name is meant to be a regular reminder of the urgent need for climate change. The rink is going to generate, quote, zero waste from operations and events and use reclaimed rainwater in the ice system to create the greenest ice in the NHL. So in theory, Greg, I think that all we agree that sounds pretty cool. Why not? That's a, a good initiative to undertake. But if the goal is to remind us all of this urgent need for climate change, then I was wondering if we need to hit pause and think about our urgent need to have stuff delivered to our door as quickly as possible. As we all know, online delivery has been huge, particularly in the last few months with people in their homes due to COVID. And Amazon is one of those companies that's responsible for shipping billions of packages worldwide. There's planes and trucks and all sorts of gas used to get them to our doors. And then, of course, as we mentioned at 745, there's the packaging. Kurt Hall is the project director for Climate Change Connection and joins us now. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Lauren. First of all, Kurt, if we hear climate pledge in a hockey game every time there's a broadcast and we hear it over and over again do you see that being helpful in any way to get more people paying attention or do we just our eyes and ears glaze over when we hear that stuff well it depends but i don't think it's it's necessarily harmful to keep the the idea in front of people uh on a continuous basis so awareness is definitely part of the part of the issue and part of the solution what is the impact on the environment every time we place for example an order online well, you know, it's actually a pretty complex uh, calculation if you want to find out what the carbon footprint of, of your shopping is. But it, it's quite interesting. They, in 2013, the MIT Center for Transportation did a study of comparison of, of in-store shopping versus online shopping. And then what they did was they took a, a purchase of a single toy uh, in-store or online, and they found that actually buying it online was a lower carbon footprint than in-store, but there's complexity here, okay? And the, in, when they did the study, it was somebody driving a fossil fuel car to the store to get the toy versus a uh, using the, the online delivery system. And most of the, the emissions came from the car. So... You know, if you chose to ride your bicycle or take the bus, that would be a different scenario. Well, not to mention if uh, you were buying something other than just that one single toy, if that was part of a, a whole trip. And I could see that because, let's face it, a lot of us have been at home for weeks and weeks at a time here and have managed to get 
uh, items, uh, groceries and, and other consumer items into our homes without leaving our house. It is possible. And I guess you could argue that that uh, delivery truck, instead of going to Toys R Us or Walmart, is just coming straight to our home uh, without us having to go to either of those places and, and get the item. One of our listeners texted as soon as uh, they heard us uh, discuss this this morning, Amazon naming the Seattle Arena for climate awareness. That's a joke. How many cardboard boxes are they responsible for? How much fuel is burned hauling these boxes around, or did I miss something? So you've answered a, a good chunk of that, uh, Kurt. I mentioned to Loren yesterday, I know when I buy something now, uh, say it's a television, I, I bring it home and I unpack it, but then I'm responsible for getting rid of the, the foam and the plastic and the cardboard box, and I end up inevitably taking another trip either to the landfill or the recycling depot to get rid of these giant pieces of styrofoam or this giant box because that stuff is, is filling, it's overfilling my bin. That'd be the only thing I'd be able to put on the curb at the end of the week. Yeah. The, the, another thing in that study that was interesting was that more than half of the carbon footprint for the for the online delivery was in the packaging. So, and, and you know, if you buy it in the store, there's there's virtually no packaging, especially if you take your own bag to to bring it home in. So, is there movement on that front? Because I think it's easy to say that we all agree that it usually is over packaging. At the same time, if something shows up at my door and it's broken or smashed, I'm going to be annoyed about that. And so, I'm curious uh, where, where the push has been, either at a political level or other, if you know, Kurt, to limit what we see in those packages or limit some of the foam or limit some of the the, the plastic. Because until there's regulations around how it's supposed to be done. Their goal is going to be to get it to us as quickly as possible, but also so it's not broken, I would think. Yeah, and, and the, there isn't really uh, much uh, legislation that I'm aware of. There is, you know, uh, more consumer awareness of packaging, and, and there's a bit of a pushback from, from consumers. Uh, but you mentioned another thing there about returns. And that's another thing that uh, online shopping is, is causing a real bump in. Uh, the, the carbon footprint comes from, like, people will buy online clothes, for example, and you're not completely sure what uh, size it is that you should order. So instead you order two or three sizes and you pick the one that does fit and you send the other t- others back. So there's, there's the carbon footprint of the returns, which is quite big on, on online shopping. And the other thing is, I've heard that when you do send back a return for something faulty, they often, or, or when you just send it back as a return, they throw it away. So there's some really scary, scary aspects there. And then when it comes to all that packaging, too, actually one of the trivia questions we asked this week had to do with how uh, many of us want to do it or wish we could do it, but we don't quite, we're not sure if we're doing it right, so then we just end, don't end up doing it. And that has to do with recycling, because so many times you don't know is this thing that I've got in my hand, is, is, does this go in the trash or does it go in recycle? And the recycling system is not really working in an optimal way. Like we think that when we put it in the blue, blue bin that uh, it's, we're doing the right thing. And it is the right thing, but it's the whole system isn't really working. Because the idea of, of recycling is we're supposed to, those materials are supposed to be reused into uh, something new. And in fact... A lot of kind of times that doesn't happen. Plastic is no longer uh, being recycled into new products very much. It's just being baled and, and stored. Um, glass is crushed and is used to uh, fill the roadway uh, to the Brady landfill and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of complexity in the recycling system. 
Yeah, and some of the things that uh, seem to be recyclable elsewhere and have, in fact, a recyclable label and a number attached to them, great deal of those products uh, just aren't recyclable in our province. That's frustrating to a lot of people, isn't it, Kurt? It certainly is. And, and, and really what we need to do instead of focusing on the recycling is try to maybe reduce the amount of things that, uh, that are, you know, the amount of, of uh, packaging or, you know, buying things that have come in a lot of packaging or buying unnecessary things altogether. I mean, that's a big part of the equation is, is our, our consumerism. The fact that we buy a lot of stuff that we don't really need and winds up in the landfill anyways. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and comes from far away you know like uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, we i'd like to get locally rather than from halfway around the world kurt hall is the project director for climate change connection joining us live on 680 cjob kurt thank you so much for the time well you're welcome thanks and greg what would uh, the nickname be for climate pledge arena would it be known as the recycle bin <laughs> yeah, that might work. The rain bin, the the rain drum, rain barrel, the rain barrel might work. Oh, the rain oh, barrel. That's good. Yeah. Rolling uh, into the rain barrel in Seattle. <laughs> that's very good. You should right. ship that idea off. Okay, I'm writing that TM. down. TM. Yeah, little TM. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as we've been telling you this morning, our question of the day at cjob.com. Players from the MLB, NBA, and NHL have recently tested positive for COVID-19. Do you think it's time to call their seasons off? And 78% say absolutely not worth the risk, with uh, 23 or 22% saying not yet. It's too soon to tell. Question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And we're asking that question because of what's going on in the U.S. We were just talking the other day how they had their biggest single-day total yet, over 36,000 cases when it comes to COVID-19, Loren. Yeah, and here's just some of the headlines out this morning on CNN. The U.S. has failed to stomp out coronavirus and experts are frustrated with political leadership passing off responsibility. On the front page of the Washington Post, how Arizona lost control of the epidemic. And then on CBS, coronavirus cases continue to rise in Florida as cases set a single day record high. And that's where we take you now is to Florida with Peter King. He's a correspondent for CBS News in Florida. Good morning, Peter. Single day record high here in Florida was actually uh, Wednesday's report. Yesterday's was just slightly less, but it's still more than 10,000 cases reported in two days. And, uh, you know, that's just insane. Peter, it feels as though we're literally going backwards on this. In California, Texas, and Florida, three of the largest populated states in America. Like, there's really no other way to ask this other than what the heck is going on? <laughs> well, you know something? Uh, uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, the governments, to a degree, say a lot of this has to do with increased testing, but the demographics of who's getting sick, the demographics are getting younger. It's now mostly 18 to 49-year-olds who are getting younger, and those are the people who tend to be out and around a lot more, ignoring social distancing, not wearing face masks, and as a result, all of this is spreading. I mean, uh, anecdotally, I can tell you here in my neighborhood, uh, right behind the University of 
Central Florida in Orlando, we've had an explosion of cases from people associated with the university, mostly students or, you know, recent graduates who still live in the area and frequent the university area bars. We had one bar that was shut down because 40 cases, more than 40 cases, were traced back. And this is what's happening all over the place at this point. And uh, that's kind of what the heck is happening. Go ahead, Loren. Peter, uh, you know, you used the phrase right off the top, that's insane. And so given that, that that's the response to these kinds of cases, it's curious to me that we still see so many people flocking to beaches, patios, bars, and all the rest. And so we're learning more that it's in young people, but are there any signs within that younger demographic of taking this more seriously? Or is the attitude still the same as it has been for several weeks now, which is that, you know, this is not going to beat us or we, we, we have it beaten? Obviously, if they were taking it more seriously, we would have fewer cases. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound snarky, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is. Uh, they weren't taking it seriously. Maybe they will now. Here in Florida, we don't have a statewide mask order, but the biggest cities, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, have all issued uh, mandatory face mask uh, orders. Miami-Dade County, uh, Orange County, which encompasses Orlando and the Tampa Bay area as well. And uh, hopefully that helps the spread of this. And hopefully younger people who have been infected uh, now start taking it much more seriously, and those who haven't start taking it much more seriously. I mean, I, 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 quite frankly, uh, I take this very, very personally, beca- personally because, you know, them going out there endangers me, and I don't like it. Has there been any talk with these recent spikes, uh, these massive numbers that you're getting, any talk of pressing pause on various reopening plans? Well, Florida is not going ahead with its third phase because phase two has been so successful. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it, 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 nobody is pausing anything, though, uh, at the state level. But a lot of uh, a number of places have closed down after they've had positive cases. I mean, my wife's uh, my wife was looking forward to getting her hair cut for the first time uh, today, for the first time in about three months. She got a text last night that her salon had to shut down because they had somebody there test positive. Uh, I told you about the bar that had the 40-some-odd cases. They were shut down by the state. Their liquor license was pulled. Uh, and a number of other restaurants and bars are, are starting to do the same or curtail their hours because you know they're concerned and 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 rightfully so but there is nothing at, at the state level that is telling anybody to shut down there is nothing at the county or city level that is telling anybody to shut down again at this point uh this is uh everybody's depending on those businesses to do the right thing Peter, I appreciate your good humor in all this, and uh, this is coming from a jurisdiction that has less than two dozen active cases right now. Our cases per million is some of the lowest uh, in, on the planet, and so we've been very lucky here. But as we look at Florida and we look at the United States, I have to ask you, how did wearing a mask or not wearing a mask become a political statement in your country? Oh, dear God, I haven't got enough time in the world to talk to talk to you about that. Uh, but I, I can tell you that uh, uh, some people are saying, well, by forcing me to wear a mask, you're infringing upon my constitutional rights. <clears throat> now, the answer to that, 
uh, comes from various sources. Our mayor here in Orlando, Buddy Dyer, answered that by saying, hey, uh, it's your civic duty to protect each other out there. Uh, uh, others uh, who don't agree with that contention basically say, hey, you know something, I'm protecting you by wearing a mask. I expect you to do the, do the same courtesy for me. Uh, it's, it's become very political, and I think part of it is that uh, you don't see Donald Trump wearing a face mask anywhere, and the people who are saying that uh, governments are tramping on their constitutional rights tend to be his supporters. Yeah, they might be following the lead that's being set there, the lead that's been set by any other uh, political leaders, Peter. Before we let you go, when do you learn the latest number today? When will you know if there's any change, if we've gone up or down? Probably in the next couple of hours here in Florida. It might be later with uh, the other states. Peter King is a correspondent for CBS News in Orlando, Florida, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Peter, thank you very much for this. Great to be on Nine Okay. And, and for asking good questions. <laughs> okay, right on, man. Have a good weekend, sir. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Guys, I don't know if you've just tried to scroll back to the top of the text list uh, as of 6 a.m., but it took me like three minutes to get back to the top of the list because we got so many texts this morning on the movies that you could watch over and over again. We were having this conversation because Jurassic Park was number one at the box office this past weekend, as Hal mentioned on Wednesday. It was trending on Netflix earlier this week and uh, just got us thinking about the movies that we could just go to any time. And Jason had a good one, and I think I saw that on Netflix's top ten. I'm just trying to confirm that right now, but do you remember Tremors, Loren? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who's in it. That's Kevin, what the, the thing Bacon. that comes Kevin underground. Bacon? Yeah, the Graboids. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Someone listed that as their favorite, like they'd watch that over and over again. Yeah, and you know what? Jay, with, I'm kind of with Jason. I have seen that movie a couple of dozen times at least. It's uh, it's a cheese ball creature feature, but I just love it. I love it. It's so much fun. Kevin Bacon and... Uh, Oh crap! I can't remember the name. Fred Ward. I think is the the name of the co star. Uh, it made it. There were a series. Reba McIntyre was in it too. She was. Didn't she? Wasn't she shooting like an elephant gun or something? Greg, do you remember? Oh, you know what? I've I don't know if I've ever watched it start to finish, but it does catch my attention if I you know if I'm flipping through channels and I see that it's on. I, so I can't help you there. Sorry, Brett. Don says, uh, "Hey, Loren, uh, you're a mom. You've probably seen either Frozen or Star Wars one thousand times." I, uh, my answer would be, I wish. I remember for a good the first four years. So first my oldest for the first couple of years and then my second born every Friday night, you know, we try to do a movie night, have some supper, watch a movie. Okay, what do you guys want to watch? Cars. Well, we got Toy Story. We got new Cars. We've got Shark Tale. We could do <laughs> Cars, Cars, Cars. Like, And then they would just sit there like for the thousandth time staring at it like, oh, this is so good. And he'd be like, I can't take any more. Cars. 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 Cars, mom. Cars. Owen Wilson oh, is Lightning perfect. McQueen. It's so romantic. It's a great movie. I'm not. I loved it. I loved Cars. <laughs> I loved Cars Two. I liked Cars Three. I liked Planes. But I mean, I'm telling you, Friday nights. You really, that's when you know you've really moved into the adult world. Cars. <laughs> <laughs> now your couch oh, potatoisms get me all the time, Brett. Creature feature. I don't know if I've heard that one before. Does Goonies fall uh, under a? Uh, uh, 
creature feature? No, I, I wouldn't say so, but that is that is a wonderful film. I actually, Jeff and I were just talking about that on the Couch Potatoes recently as a movie we would like to see come back like once they reopen the theaters, like movies mm. that can bring people together uh, and yes. have sort of an event. And I think The Goonies would be one of them. That's a, that is an amazing adventure film. I'd go with adventure film for that. Okay, my buddy Rob was listening this morning, and he uh, texted me a picture of his new Winnipeg Blue Bombers license plate, and he said, oh, and by the way, the Goonies would be my my, my vote. Lots of people saying Groundhog Day. I have a question. Is there irony in watching Groundhog Day over and over and over again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that is perfect. You, you know what? I think the, the number of... of Years that Pete that he is suspected to have lived is just staggering. I think the number is like ten thousand years. Someone's figured out the math and gone through oh, everything really? he learned. And the, the I have to double check that. I'll, I'll check with Jeff Braun because he loves that movie. He knows the answer. But I think it's something like ten thousand years. That would be a long time to have to relive the same day and wake up to Sunny and Share every day. Mackling, McGarry. And McNabb, we are excited to share this next story with you. It is a Winnipeg success story. So that on its own is exciting. But it's extra special because that success is all because of you, our CJOB listeners, our CJOB family. So I think it was three years ago that, Brad, that you and Greg did an interview with one of our listeners, Rui Diaz. He runs a computer business on Main Street called Nothing But Tech. It was a back-to-school conversation that you had with Rui suggesting instead of buying a new laptop that you can actually save a lot of money by refurbishing it or upgrading your old one. And then you guys told me the other day that he said his business was closing. And my first thought was, oh, no, but it's great news. He's getting ready to reopen at a bigger location thanks to the rest of our CGOB family. Well, that's what Rui says. So let's get the full story from our friend, Rui Diaz. Rui, good morning, my friend. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Hey, so what is the deal with this expansion? And I'll preface that uh, before you answer with a tremendous congratulations. Tell us the good news. Well, uh, I'm uh, kind of outgrowing the location that I had. And, I, and with all the great listeners of Winnipeg and all the CGOB listeners that came down and supported me, I kind of needed a little bit bigger location to do more. So I've, uh, I'm going to close my shop that I have now on 1795 Main and reopen in two weeks, approximately in July at 1960 Main Street. Yeah, I'm so interested to hear about the idea of taking, you know, something that's broken and, and, or it feels like it's broken, especially when you don't know about your own computer. You're just, you feel like you're just lost and you can't solve the problem and you don't know what to do about it. And that there might be a tendency, uh, Rui, to just say, I must have to get to new one, a new one. This, this isn't working. What are you hearing from customers when they come in? Uh, are they, uh, usually thinking that you won't be able to fix it and then you surprise them in the end? That's, that's exactly what happens. Um, they have no idea they come in, they, they want to totally buy the new laptop. They have no idea that they can't actually replace or kind of upgrade their new one or the old one. And that, uh, yeah, when I say that, they're just like, whoa, they're really surprised and they're happy about that because they're really stuck with that one they've been using for so long. They like that one. Why do they have to go to a new one? So, yeah, they're really surprised and that's what I do to them. Yeah, and you know what? I've been threatening uh, to to bring my old computer to see Rui for like since our interview, actually, because I've got an old desktop computer that uh, died on me. Well, it didn't die, but I, I kept getting the blue screen of death. Uh, so I essentially can't access my computer because it just stopped working. But the the files that are on that computer, is it possible that they they could be salvaged? 
Absolutely. We can save. We can try to save everything. As long as I can see it, I can, I can grab it. If we can't see it, there are other methods to get that information from there. And if I can't get it, then there is someone else available in the city that can do it as well locally. Oh, wow. Look that, at that. Well, that's great news because I think uh, a lot of us have. I've, I'm looking at a cabinet that has a computer tower that has pictures of when my boys were born that I haven't seen in, in probably a decade, Rui. I think we're all sort of dancing around the subject here. So I'll jump in here. So this insinuation <laughs> on your part that uh, that the, the time that you spent with, uh, with us on the air here at CGOBs had such a massive impact on you your business. Can you just uh, expand on that a little bit? Because we're, we're humbled and proud at the same time, Rui. It, it, it did, uh, Greg. Uh, since that interview, um, there were so many people that responded to that that interview that came down and brought their laptop to uh, get upgraded and everything. And it really, there was, I thought it was maybe you know, 50 people, but I looked, there's over 100 people that showed up. It was a lot of people that showed up. And then they talked, and they talked to their friends, and their friends referred, referred, referred. So it was a huge, massive thing that kept on going like a domino effect. So, yeah, I want to say thank you to all the CJOB listeners, and thank you guys for bringing my dream and keeping my dream alive. That's great to hear that. It's so heartwarming to know the impact and when people are hearing what you do and they think, yeah, I'll go give that a shot. And it's particularly interesting to me because I had said to Brett when he mentioned this, Rui, that, you know, right now our technology has never been more important. We're working as hard as we can to connect from home or there's people out there trying to apply for CERB or trying to get online for EI or trying to apply for new jobs. And it all comes down to our computer's and our phones. And so in some cases, as hard as this pandemic has been on so many people, there there might be an upswing for businesses like yourself who can help people with the technology they so desperately need. Absolutely. And just so you guys know as well, we will be doing another thing as well. I'll be doing cell phones and tablets also coming in August as well. So we'll be doing a little bit more as well. Oh, wow. Look at that. But so how uh, the fact that you're expanding uh, even in spite of the pandemic, like has have you seen business rise uh, over the last few months with everybody as uh, or so many people as Loren mentioned working from home? Absolutely, I've it's been so busy since the COVID hit. I've been nonstop, and I've been working a lot more hours than I normally have, um, just to get laptops for everybody, all the businesses that need laptops. And then there are all those people that are working from home and then um, their cats or dogs aren't really used to them having them home. And then there's a lot of keyboards with coffee in them or whatever. So <laughs> that's been the most common thing that's been coming in. Cats knocking over uh, tea kettles or, or coffee or whatever beer onto the keyboard. But yeah, it, it has been nonstop. It's been really busy. Beer. I like how you threw that in there as well. <laughs> I noticed that too. I think we had a question, a trivia question about one of the things that people are doing when they're on their conference call and their Zoom meetings is that they admitted they're drinking alcohol. But Rui, um, I think a lot of us might know individuals either with kids or, or families that maybe don't have access to technology. And this is just off the top of my head here. If I've got an older laptop, um, is there a limitation in terms of uh, age or vintage where I could bring it to you and then maybe I could pass it along and, and make sure somebody in my circle, uh, small or large, uh, has an opportunity to uh, get online and help them with their education right now? 
There is a limitation on the old, how old the laptop is sometimes, depending on how old it is and depending on what kind of processor it's in. We relatively want to keep it in, a, in, the, in the dual core processors, get it up there with, up to par with everything. Um, uh, normally, it's, if it's an older laptop and it's not able to do it, I'll suggest re- replacing it right off a hop and getting something a little bit newer. Um, but if we can make it better and make it so you can give it to your loved one and on so on, we will totally do it. Absolutely. And it, I feel it, like it all depends. It all depends on the laptop. It all depends, or the or the, or the system itself. I feel like I want to challenge you now. I've got I got two laptops that have to be from two thousand four or five sitting under my bed. I don't know why I'm keeping them. Kind of want to bring them down and see what you can do with them. But uh, on that note, what have you ever like? What was the craziest thing that's been brought to you, or the age, or the damage, where you thought, yeah, I might not be able to fix that, and then you did. Uh most recently would have been the customer that brought me the mine computers that were like from 1980s and they're like tin like oh they were so old but he all he really wanted was like the same thing that brett and greg want they want the data from them um uh, they weren't able to be turned on because they were so old um but i was able to grab all the information that he needed all the photos and everything like that so yeah stuff like that and there are there are systems that are coming really old and I, I, I fix them either way. I, I try my best to fix them much, as much as I can, but there are times where we can't do it. We can't do anything. Well, it's. I think that gives a lot of people hope, right? To to learn that the old and broken computer that they have might not be so broken after all, or at least that the files aren't lost. Because we all know, I think we all know, we're supposed to back up our files. But I mean, I remember one of our colleagues. Uh, she had a, a near nervous breakdown in the newsroom because she was on the phone and learned that her Apple computer had died and it was dead and gone. Like everything that she had on it was gone. Uh, I don't know who she brought it to, but they were they were not optimistic that uh, she could get it back. So she essentially had to start from scratch and her whole life was on that computer. So it's good to know that there are guys like you, Rui, who can help with that sort of thing. So once again, the, the current shop, which is currently closed, is at 1795 Main. And then you're moving to where? 1960 Main Street. And the website is nothingbuttech.ca. If you're on social media, for example, on Instagram, it's nbtwpg1. Rui Diaz, congratulations, and thank you so much for bringing this to our attention so we could say thank you to our listeners. Once again, thank you guys for everything that you guys have done. Thank you. All right, Rui Diaz joining us live on 680 CJOB. And indeed, yeah, when he, when he sent, or Greg, I think it was you who flagged the email because I hadn't seen it yet. And I thought we got to share this story because the, the fact that this man's, as he put it, this is his dream and it's it alive and growing because of our listeners. Uh, I think we need to give our listeners a pat on the back for that. I don't uh, disagree. I think uh, wholeheartedly this is what it's about. This is the very essence of who we are uh, as a program, as a radio station, and I think radio overall, right? It's that sense of community and uh, helping one another get to that next level in our lives. We share so many passionate stories, impassioned pleas for this and and asks for and calls for action to support uh, one organization or another, and, and it's just incredible. Very heartwarming, humbling, and rewarding to uh, get feedback like this from Rui because just from spending a few minutes with him over the phone just now, it reminded me just of, 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 of what a warm individual he is. He's got a great personality and he's just so happy to, to hear him taking the next step. 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.